Father Jonathan, it's been a long time. David, it has been a very long time. <laughs> yes, so as we record this, we just published last week's episode. And we're recording right now, the day after we publish it. The day after. Reco- yeah, a week ahead of time. Why is that? Well, turns out we both need to do our retreat. <laughs> our <laughs> annual eight-day silent retreat. Um, yeah, yeah. Has been, like everything in times like these, uh, COVID has thrown off, thrown out everything, everything that is normal. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what was supposed to be a retreat earlier in the summer has turned into, got to do this now before school starts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of a makeshift uh, week week with God. Yeah, Yeah, and mine is for ordination. So I'll be doing my ordination retreat uh, in the next eight days. Which will be great. So we'll be on retreat together. And so we're just recording a little bit ahead of time. Being a little bit proactive. Together but separate. (laughs) That's right. Um, (laughs) So we can't do our normal recap of our preaching because we haven't done it yet. That's right. And Um, we won't be able to properly publish or record next Monday. So we're doing that now. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's just jump right in then. So we're now looking at the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time, the first Sunday of August. August. Can you believe that? Well, I cannot, but I can because <laughs> I am going to be preaching on the 20th Sunday of Ordinary Time as a priest. Oh, look at that. What? But you're being ordained on the 15th. What are you doing on the 16th? The 16th, the 20th Sunday of Ordinary Time. I'm preaching. Oh, the 20th Sunday, not the yeah. 20th of August. No, no, the twi- Exactly. So for me, it's getting really close. So the 18th oh. and the 19th will be my last two Sundays as a deacon. What? That's pretty epic, mm-hmm. bro. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. So getting into August is going to be really great. Um, and Hey, I got to tell you, I am super stoked that this Sunday, uh, we don't have a parable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess we're done with that. Yeah. But we do have a miracle that's kind of been parabolized, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, I hear that. And now I like preaching on the parables. I just got kind of parable fatigue in the last, (laughs) you know, three weeks of Jesus giving us parables. Yeah. I Um, think that's fair. So especially like the ones that we got weren't these long and extensive parables mm-hmm. like the parable of the good uh, Samaritan or the parable of the lost sheep or the lost son or whatever. Like all those or the prodigal son, all those are like really deep and intricate. The ones that we got were these one off, you know, like mm-hmm. the kingdom of God is like and it's like, <laughs> come on, man, Done. like f- flesh it out a little bit. Um but you're right. We got this story now, which has become kind of a parable for a lot of people. It's the feeding of the multitude i guess mm-hmm. is that what it's called uh feeding of the five thousand yeah oh but not counting women and children but not counting women and children because <laughs> he does this twice uh-huh feeding lots of people right he either does it twice or he does it once but we just count it differently <laughs> for some reason um yeah i don't know so i gotta tell you right off the bat my favorite part of this uh-huh. of this gospel uh, there's a lot there, and I think I would probably spend the entire homily on this gospel because mm. I think it's just, there's a lot of really good details here. Um, one thing that I love is um, the beginning. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a mm-hmm. deserted place by himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's something really cool about Jesus mourning the death of his cousin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, as we both are about to go on retreat, there's something comforting knowing that Jesus, in a sense, also with you know, on a number of occasions would withdraw mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. to be by himself, to pray, to right, to mourn, right. to do all of these different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, here's another thing, uh, just moving through that. So like, like we see that he's moved 
uh, because of the death of his cousin. And there's something interesting, like it pivots immediately away from that toward the crowds uh, that follow him, which is kind of annoying. Uh, they follow him. <laughs> uh, but then he's moved with pity for them. And I can't help but think like that itself is a really striking sentence. But I can't help but think that the pity he felt for John somehow is transformed into the pity he feels for the crowds. Like, mm-hmm. like Jesus is raw. Like he's raw in yeah. mourning. And the mourning of the death of his family member makes him maybe more sensitive to the needs of the people around him. So like that, I think itself is a whole homily in the time of pandemic is that my own personal tragedies can either make me turn in on myself or they can make me feel empathy for those who also suffer around me. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that's really fascinating too, because you look at like, that's a very human thing to do. And when we start talking about the miracles that Jesus performs, we tend to think of them with like a much higher Christology, that this is his divinity showing through. Mm-hmm. But it's his humanity that's that's being the catalyst for for these curings, at least. Yeah. Um, for yeah. these sick. Like yeah. And this is a there's vi- something beautiful about that. Totally. And this is a very human miracle, right? Mm-hmm. His heart is moved with pity for them and they are hungry, mm-hmm. you know, and they're hungry and he gives them food to eat. Um now, I mean, not to like overly like reduce it down to the merely human because there's all this Eucharistic imagery here too. Like those Eucharistic verbs are being used, you know, in this gospel with mm-hmm. the take, the bless, the break and the give. Mm-hmm. Like that's Eucharistic language in the gospels that Jesus is doing something miraculous with bread, which is eventually going to be the Eucharist. So it's not yeah. just like a humanized miracle. It's a miracle still. It's a transcendent reality. You know, it's not just like... Jesus just happened to have enough food for everybody. Yeah, no, but I think precisely to your point, though, I think that is a very human thing because the the liturgy, the Eucharist, has been given to us here right now Yeah, in our human reality. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so you can see, like, when Jesus works miracles, his humanity and his divinity are just in sync, right? Like, Jesus is moved in his humanity, but he works power through his divinity, you know? Yeah, um, and that's great. Now, I I wouldn't want to go too far afield in the gospel to start talking about Christology because sure, it might get away from it. But I I think that that at least that human foundation of Christ being moved with pity is huge. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know to to kind of I don't want to jump jump ahead too much, but to bring it into our reading from Romans, like that's there's kind of an interesting parallel there as well. Like what keeps us from the love of Christ? What keeps Christ from his own nature, from God? Mm. Those two natures that he has, nothing, literally nothing. Mm. They are always together. And that in turn, because he became a human being, we now share in that and we can, mm-hmm. we can have a, a share of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the I'm glad that you point out the Romans reading. The, the whole, that whole reading is just like, it's like a rally cry or yeah. it's like this like great exhortation to stop despairing. Mm-hmm. Like God is willing and able to save you and nothing and can fe- get in the and way to of feed that. us. Yeah. And to feed us. And so like, there's just a really great thing that if you think of Jesus as he is, who is God himself, God's heart is moved with pity for us mm-hmm. and he cures us and nothing can separate us from the love of, of God, right? Yeah. Nothing at all. You know, he'll feed us even, um, Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else you got? <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that is one of my favorite things to talk about, as you know, 
mm-hmm. is Genesis. And yeah, totally. a lot of those temptations that Adam and Eve faced are paralleled to the temptations that Jesus faced in his um, in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And one in particular I like to always bring up as kind of a parallel is in the desert. This is one of the things that uh, the devil tempts Jesus with. Call, call upon the rocks and they will become bread. Mm. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I like to, to talk about the, that so much is because that's the devil tempting Jesus with something that he already has, which is yeah. exactly how he tempted um, Adam and Eve with something that they already had. They already were like God. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And here is Jesus's kind of counterpoint to that. It's like, no, I can, in fact, <laughs> create something from nothing. Right, right. We have taken five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and what's by cool the power about that of God. Too, right, right. And if you parallel it more like, more specifically with Eden, it's it's being fed by God and not feeding ourselves that right, leads to our right. salvation. And so, you know, Jesus as God is feeding us and and that's beautiful. You know, it's a very beautiful thing and it's the source of our salvation, whereas in Eden, us feeding ourselves is the source of our damnation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um I I gotta tell you, so the um there's something in all three of these readings that really makes me wanna sit and just like pray with them and like meditate on them a little bit because they're so tender all three of them mm-hmm. are like just so personal and loving like jesus being moved with pity what could separate us from the love of god and then even this first reading just the repeating of come to the water mm-hmm. come receive grain come without paying come to me heedfully like yeah. there's this this loving god that is just calling us forth and it's like we we tend to think of ourselves as calling god towards us as we as if we're like Prayer is an incantation where we're summoning God. It's like we're the ones who are being summoned. Like God is Mm -hmm. saying to us, come to me and receive because I'm wanting to feed you and nothing can separate me from you except you. (laughs) Like you're the only thing that's (laughs) standing in the way and stop it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I love about, so my favorite line from this first reading is towards the end, uh, come to me heedfully. But the part that strikes my imagination is listen that you may have life. Yeah. Listen, that you may have life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I don't even really know what that means, but it's, <laughs> but it's provoking something in my, in my imagination that right. kind of to your point is saying like, stop it, settle down, listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, you can, you can do a whole homily there with the word listen, like, Mm-hmm. You know, how Jesus himself is the word spoken by the Father and how we listen to the word and what he does for us and brings to us. Um, you know, listen also has resonance with, with prayer, obviously, also with obedience and how we listen to God and we take our cue from him. Um, like, that's clutch, you know, and I think part of it is is what does get in the way with between us and the love of God is when we don't listen to God. Mm-hmm. Like, God is making it very clear that all three of these readings are making it very clear. Listen to me. I want to love you. I want to feed you. And why are you going to turn away from me? And I think the only way we turn away from him is because we don't listen. Yeah. Well, we don't listen and we haven't eaten what God has given us to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we've kind of, kind of back going back to Adam and Eve, we've decided that we need to feed ourselves rather mm-hmm. than to be fed. Mm-hmm. Heed mm-hmm. me and you shall eat well. Hmm. Right. Right. So it doesn't uh, say heed me and feed yourself. <laughs> right, right. 
So the the word listen again that you pointed out there in the first reading, I think echoes in the Alleluia verse. Um, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes mm, forth from the mouth of to God. The word, yeah. Um, and that's precisely what you were quoting from the temptations. Mm-hmm. You know, with Jesus' temptation, he quotes that from the Old Testament. You know, to to Satan saying, "I bread is not what I'm after, but the word of God is food enough for me to eat." Um, yeah, I don't know. I could get really lost in these readings because there's just so much depth and so much beauty and so many of, of yeah. these different ideas, you know? So how, how would you focus it then? How would I focus it? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, love, I love the personal character of the gospel and how Jesus is moved with pity um, and wants to feed us. But I think that that can turn into a little bit of a platitudinal, mm-hmm. like God wants to love you, God wants to feed yeah. you, God wants to speak to you, which is obviously true, but... How, what's the incisive should, part? Yeah, you know? should there be a like a um, oh, what do I want to say? Should, I find the gospel oftentimes makes us uncomfortable because it's mm-hmm. calling us out of our comfort zone. So, yeah. what is the bite to this story? Yeah, yeah. I here here's here's a bite that might help, and I find it in the first reading. Um, why spend your money for what is not bread? Your wages for what fails to satisfy. Mm-hmm. Like there's the jab, <laughs> like like God is really poking at us because we do spend our money on things that do not satisfy. Yeah. Um. And you know you have this wonderful miracle and Jesus is feeding us with bread that satisfies, but we are constantly looking for Jesus to to you know do parlor tricks or something and to show us his divinity. It's like I am simply giving you my very flesh to eat and that should be enough for you. But we are constantly putting demands on God and spending our money and all of our things to try and find things that will satisfy us, but they don't because God is very simply satisfying us with his very self. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a good, there's a good challenge there for us as listeners. It's like money in particular, but also just what do we invest in that isn't going to satisfy us? Like we're finding our salvation elsewhere. Yeah. And I mean, that's eternally applicable to our, to our lives. I mean, look at open the paper today and you can see people trying to do that that very mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. just throwing whether it's money at the problem or just our energy in the wrong place like we're so oh i don't want to say lost but kind of lost mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. seems mm-hmm. um yeah because yeah so so look the the gospel actually says something similar the gospel Bring says here to me well hold on so it says when it was <laughs> evening the disciples approached him and said this is a deserted place Dismiss them so we can go to the villages and buy food. Buy. Mm-hmm. We want to mm, buy food. Yeah. And Jesus don't says, do <clears throat> don't do that. Like your money is not what's going to save you. Yeah. I am. Give them what you have already and I will make it good enough. I will make it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's something really interesting there. It's like, how is Jesus not enough for you? Yeah. Oof. Oof. There it is. That's biting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the bite. You know, how is Jesus not enough? Mm. Um, and what we, we do this, like money is usually a, an easy whipping boy, but it's true. Like we, money symbolizes a lot of things like self-sufficiency and, and power and like our education, for example, costs a ton of money. So like how much do I rest on the laurels of my educational achievements? And, and Jesus is saying like, I am enough. Like I will yeah. feed you, you know? well, and what's and not only does he feed us, but he feeds us with abundance. There, mm-hmm. they ate, they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up the fragments left over, twelve wicker baskets full. Right, like, 
I, that's just I can't even comprehend like what that would be like because I mm-hmm. unfortunately don't trust in the Lord that that well sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah. So anyway, there's a there's a whole homily here about Jesus being enough. You know, like Jesus being enough to feed us and God wanting us to not put our money in the in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to buy our salvation elsewhere. Um, you know, just as a mention in this, because it, I think it's a temptation for some preachers to try and like immunitize this gospel. Like you were kind of alluding to this of like turning this gospel into just a something about us being generous and giving yeah. what we have. I don't think it's I don't think it's really about us. This gospel, it's about <laughs> Jesus. Right, <laughs> it's right, about, right. You know, it's about not about us having selfishness and not giving. It's yeah. about Jesus saying, I'm enough. Well, but again, going back to Romans, I think the question that we're asking is the question that St. Paul is asking. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Anguish, distress, persecution, famine, money. Yeah. yeah. Feeling like our own pride is what's going to save us. Sure. No, these are the sure. things that that can. These are all very, very likely things to separate us from the love of Christ. But if we mm. allow ourselves to be fed, then nothing, nothing, mm. no creature, no death, no height, anything will be able to separate us from the love of God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great, man. That's great. So yeah, I think there's our biting incision is what we try to put in place that we think will be our security and safety, but paradoxically becomes the very thing that separates us from the very source of our life like we keep cutting god off and then god is so generous that he'll never let us be he'll never let us get away with it you know you know he's always going to want us to come back and he's always going to be fighting for us to come back and coaxing us back Mm -hmm. saying come come to the water come back you know you who have nothing come back to me um like that whole first reading is very is basically like the parable of the prodigal son you Mm -hmm. know yeah is that come back to me come back to me come come receive grain and eat you know, why spend your money on what is not bread? You know, come to me heedfully. That's all what that is. Mm, yeah, no, I like that. That's a good, uh, that's a good parallel. Cool, man. Cool. Um, yeah, there's a lot here. I'm really glad we're away from the parables now because this, this <laughs> opens up a lot. Like seeing what Jesus does, you know, it's so yeah, powerful. Yeah. Cool, man. Any uh, final thought on your part? Um, no, I don't think so. Cool, man. All right. Well, until next time, have a good retreat. All right. You as well. Pray well. All right, dude. Peace.